Leanna. And I'm Nikki. And today, as part of our series on the pandemic, we're talking about fear and anxiety. So the pandemic, there is a lot of fear and anxiety. There can't help but be fear and anxiety, right? Yeah, yeah. Just really, even when you say fear and anxiety, I just sort of, I feel compelled to go, hmm. <laughs> there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of it going on. There's a lot of fear and anxiety, and I feel like anxiety on its own right now is a little bit of a, a buzzword. Yes. You know, people are being diagnosed with anxiety and children have anxiety and yeah that just yeah. makes me really curious was it always there and we didn't name it is is it more prevalent in our society now than it was maybe we're naming it because it wasn't there right and mm. and has this pandemic shined a spotlight on it or or magnified it mm -hmm. um because for sure people who maybe don't have a history with anxiety or maybe felt like it was under control in certain areas or manageable or they were aware of it um certainly feel like there's more mm -hmm. of it given the pandemic as well um yes and, and then of course we're being fed it on the on the news and on social media and um so of course you start to when you see it more you think it's there more as well and sometimes something that you can see outside of yourself starts to feel like well did this come from me or is this outside of me is this my experience or is this a collective experience that i'm observing and, and a part of because i'm part of the world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's been really interesting to talk to different people too about their um, pandemic information consumption. Yes, I guess I will call it <laughs> a bit of a mouthful, but um, yeah, how often are they watching the news? How often are they, um, you know, looking at our little provincial dashboard that you can find online with all the numbers and stats? Um, do they listen to, you know, Dr. Bonnie Henry every day? Um, how, you know, how much are they on Facebook or Instagram or like, yeah, how much of that are they taking in? And I'm not suggesting that people be ignorant or right. uninformed, but I do think there's a correlation if you are constantly getting that information even the same in like i think in a day you're not going to get terribly different information right but you could get the same information 20 times which just starts to feel bombarding yes and and i think it tricks the mind a little bit into thinking there's more of it when you've right. just heard the same thing right um right. And I wonder too, two, two different things I wondered as you were talking about that was, do some people find comfort in the statistics 
in the information in hearing Dr. Bonnie Henry speak. So for some people, does that put some of the fears at bay? Perhaps flip side to that is they think it's putting their fears <laughs> at bay, but really it's kind of just as we were saying, sinking in is repetitive, um, you know, a massive amount of this kind of same message coming at you. And of course that message can go into the subconscious as truth. So, um, and then the other thing I was considering is, you know, how many times on social media, or if you happen to be uh, on the TV and listening to those teasers for the news, like up next on the news or, um, or if you're, you are clicking on a, a, a news website, do we just kind of look at the headline and, and not maybe perhaps read the story for the context, for the explanation? How often do we tune in to our provincial update to just get the numbers, but not hear the explanation? So for instance, I recall Dr. Henry saying in the last couple of weeks, yes, case numbers have gone up, um, this was expected. We knew it would go up. Um, so there's like a, a comforting message. Um, also, that if I have this right, <laughs> pardon me if I'm, I'm wrong, but for the most part, they could trace the connections of infection. So they knew where the infection had come from. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't, um, they could connect the dots with the people and the experiences and the events. So there's another explanation where she, I, I believe she admitted herself, I'm a little bit nervous about the numbers going up. It concerns me, we are looking at this, but here's where I'm not as concerned. Here's why it's not at emergency, panic <laughs> right. uh, level. So when we're only reading the headlines or just reading the numbers, we're relying on our own assumptions, on our own uh, digestion of that material. And so perhaps we're not getting the, the full um, picture, but I understand where all of that information is daunting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just thinking about the difference between um, clicking on a news video mm -hmm. on my computer and watching those provincial updates. Um, I remember sort of watching it for the first time. I was really struck by, um, first of all, it's quiet. Yes. Um, and often you get a screen if you're clicking in deliberately and you're, you know, there on time, you're going to watch the video you you wait yes. you know it's not all perfectly timed you're tuned in and you're waiting but it's um the, yeah it's quiet there isn't background music um and i even the even the manner in which dr bonnie henry speaks and minister adrian dix speaks they speak intentionally and calmly and when I think about a news story, there's um, music. There's usually music in, you know, the news starts with music. That music is dramatic, has a sense of urgency yes. in it. Um, and I think that's all um, deliberate. 
Right. Like they want people to watch, they want it to be catchy. But what we also have to understand is that, you know, the music, the sound, the, the brightness triggers our subconscious. Right. That opens up those filters. And now all of that information that feels very emotional and sensationalized, um, albeit captivating, goes right in. Yes. And um, if we're feeling even a little bit of fear or anxiety or unease, what we're experiencing and the information we're taking in at that moment gets kind of filed in that file. That's the file that's open. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I mean, one person could see those numbers and be comforted, let's say that they're not higher. But if you're, if you're tuning in and, and, and already subtly in your deeper mind in the background, you're thinking, oh, it's getting worse. The numbers are going up. Then you get the numbers, then you get the music. <laughs> and mm. your, your, your fear portal, your fear channel, your fear bucket is already the one that's kind of front and center. That's where that information is going to get deposited. Yeah. And that's that link that's, that's going to be made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's great value to being really deliberate about where we get our information mm -hmm. and and how often. I I when you were describing and you described it so accurately the the news music and everything. Isn't it funny the the juxtaposition of I've been watching the news waiting for uh, maybe a lunchtime update so they're they're giving the news of the day. And then they'll, they'll go dun, 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 breaking news with the red banner and everything. And then they'll go to just like you said, the quiet room, the calm voice. Right. <laughs> and so even the introduction from the news itself is, is, is a dramatic uh, attention capturing mm. um, a moment. So, I mean, you already got that uh, adrenaline tingle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, we could probably talk forever about the, the media and the mind, <laughs> things like that. But that's, what, that's what they're designed to do. That's what they're, they're capturing people's attention. They're, um, they're leading with dramatic stories, using purposeful words to, um, and teasing you. Like how many times have we also heard just in general, not during the pandemic, but up next after a break, we're going to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk about this situation and it's three or four commercials out it's halfway through the news broadcast and they want you to stay they want you to watch so I mean there's a whole um purpose and intention behind what's happening there but mm -hmm. even in print or um uh internet media if you were to click on that same news station and click on the numbers you're still getting the bright colors the mm -hmm. the bold headlines mm -hmm. with the purposeful words as well so um i think what we're what we're kind of talking about is is that there's there is almost a fear uh, built into the nature in way in the ways that this information is is coming to us and of course in a pandemic we're this is so new, it affects every part of our lives. So we're, we are eager for that information. Mm -hmm. And so subtly there's other things happening that could be feeding into our fear, growing our fear, mm -hmm. um, growing our anxiety, 
without us even really being aware of it. We're just trying to get the information. Absolutely. And I wonder too if, um, yeah, not to go on a, a tangent of attacking the media, no. but are we after that information for a feeling of control? Yes. Because yeah. I think there are some fine lines there too where, you know, yes, you do want to be informed and you want to know what's opened and what's closed and um, how to stay safe, what's being suggested, how to be safe, etc. There is some information I think we all need. Yeah. And then how much are you seeking out more or trying to read it again or, well, I heard it from this person, I'll go to a different source just because the comfort that comes from it now isn't so much the information but it's i can do that right you know i yeah there's a you know just a sense of control where i maybe i can't go to work or i can't go to this party or i can't go out or i can't do the things that i'm used to doing that i want to do but i can you know log yeah. on and get information Control has such a big role to play in, or, or a sense of control, um, mm -hmm. has such a big role to play in anxiety and fear. Because we, we have internal cues that give us our bearings, that give us our confidence. And one of those cues is when we can handle something, when we have decision-making power, when we can choose, when we have options. Um, and certainly when we feel safe. So having a sense of control, that we have those options, that we can make choices, um, that it's not decided for us, the kind of that it's not a sentence, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. an inescapable situation. Um, also a, an indefinite situation. All of those things breed uncertainty or the newness all of those qualities feed into anxiety and fear so possibly a, a way to balance that is to be aware of some of the things that we do have control over um, and to not judge those or dismiss those so they may seem small but you have the choice what to wear today what to eat today um, how much social media you consume. You have choices in the ways that you connect with people. Um, you know, we still have phones. <laughs> we can, we do, yeah. we can still call people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you, you know, you could potentially, as I say this, there is smoke layering our entire geographical area but if the smoke was not here you could potentially meet up with somebody somewhere uh, it doesn't have to be in a coffee house you know it, it you could be, keep your distance you could wear a mask you could um, um, uh, walk in a park walk on a beach um, meet in your cars and roll down your windows um, and I say this just as just maybe expanding our ideas of what we do have control over um what is potentially going well what feels good um and of course we could bring self-care into that as well having a 
bath, having a cup of tea, watching a good movie, cuddling up with a pet uh, blanket. So uh, there's so many options that I think sometimes we dismiss. Oh, that won't help. I don't know. Give it a try. <laughs> right. Um, right. Or that we just downplay. Well, those aren't the ones I want control over. I want. Yeah, that's a big one. More like I want the control over here. Well, maybe the truth is we don't have control over here in this area. Nobody does. But we have control. Look at these other ways that we do and focus on those ways. We have control over our um, social distancing practices, our hygiene, our cleaning, uh, which isn't to suggest, you know, we don't want the pendulum to swing the other way so that we're germaphobic, right. cleaning a, a, a doorknob 20 times. Um, but you, those are the things you can do to minimize your risk. So maybe you don't have a lot of control over the pandemic, but you have control over where you go out, your cleaning practices, your hygiene, and you know in our in our other conversations uh just you and me chatting um not necessarily recording on the podcast um another thing that we do have control over is how we model that for our kids and you were speaking a little bit about um what we're showing our kids in terms of fear or anxiety and and um that's a fine line to balance too is handling that for ourselves yet maybe for lack of a better term putting on a brave front for our kids but um but that brave front is is very valuable mm -hmm. well and i think it needs to be um the brave front oh my mind is going in a million directions um <laughs> needs to be tempered with, I also think it is okay not to know. Yeah. It is okay to be afraid, but when you, you can, you can be afraid um, in a self-aware way. Yes. And I think even to a fairly young child, you can express that. I don't know when this will end. I don't know when a vaccine will happen. Um, I don't know when I'll go back to work or whatever. If I think it's okay not to know things. Yes. Um, and expressing that and having a conversation about that gives a very different message than um, than a behavior that would be just you know just like telling a child, no, do you have your mask? Do you have your mask? Well, you might need a second mask. What if you drop this one? Let's make sure there's a second one in your backpack. Now remember to stay away from your friends. Um, six feet. Can you show me what six feet is? Like there are so many different ways. Um, I guess there's different ways of being afraid. That, right. That's where I'm trying to go to. I don't think it's the fear. I don't think we need to get rid of fear. Yeah. Fear helps us. Fear keeps us safe. Fear. We need fear. We just need to know how to be with it. Yes sort of instead of fighting against it or trying to shove it down or try to silence it. Um, fear can be uncomfortable. Very. And uncomfortable can be a signal to us that something is wrong. Right. But I would invite people to challenge that notion. Uncomfortable mm -hmm. can also just mean new. 
uncomfortable can just be uncomfortable, but not dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think you, you hit on a really significant thing. Can we sit with that discomfort? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. And that's not easy. No, I think we're often socially or culturally not, um, not validated or acknowledged or certainly not praised for sitting in the discomfort. It seemed more, uh, it's, it's more valued, more recognized if you don't have discomfort. If right. you're on top of everything, if you're always know what you're doing, what you're gonna do next, that seems to get more validation than yeah. one step at a time and I'm a little uncertain and I'm a little confused. But I'm, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get through the day. I'm going to support my children. You know, um, yeah, it's interesting to me what we, uh, what we think of as having it all together. I think that's oh, what yeah. we're doing, you know. And I don't think the people that we think have it all together, well, A, I don't think they always do. <laughs> But they are not without all of the fearful, anxious, uh, self-undermining feelings that maybe someone who's just a little more honest about it has. Right. I, I love that idea. And um, I remember seeing a, uh, or hearing in our class, actually, in our training together, uh, an example of people's storefronts versus <laughs> their back uh, uh, warehouse rooms, supply rooms, what do you call it? Storage rooms. Um, so, you know, if you're walking down the street and seeing a store, you're seeing that front display, you know, that's what we're displaying for people, even in a casual conversation with a friend, you know, like, and, and as you say, that seems to be the, the thing that's valued, um, even with family members, um, we're putting our best foot forward. It, it seems to be almost one of the, the bravest things you can do is, is to be honest in your feelings, is to be messy, is to be, as you say, uncertain. And the people who aren't showing that, the people who, who have the messy storage rooms that we don't see, you just to shut the door. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily... Uh, well, it's not a healthy thing to either dismiss it or not acknowledge it, you know, to kind of shove it down. I do believe it'll come back in different ways and grab your attention. Um, or to minimize it, or I think pr probably the healthiest approach, which maybe doesn't align with the most um, respected approach, um, is to say, I'm going through this and I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And that can take a lot of um, courage too, because I think sometimes we, not only do we want to, we have the, the issue, say the fear, the problem, and we want to already know what to do about it. <laughs> it's almost like a paradox. Like we don't yeah. kind of admit it till we, till we understand it better ourselves or till we can explain it or we know what questions to ask or, um, or till we even know the next steps. But 
how many times have we sat there with a feeling ourselves of, of feeling hurt or of feeling afraid? And you, and that is just a key part of it. You just don't know what you don't know. <laughs> right. Right. And I think in there, and you did already say this, but choices, um, I wonder if in, in quite a big way, choices are the, the antidote to anxiety. Mm. Um, because I think we want to know, we want to know how to do it when, when we either want to do it perfectly or think we only get one try. Right. Then it's really important to, to know and to do it right, whatever yes. right is. Right. Um, <laughs> right, right. But when you have, when you don't know and you can say, okay, I'll, I'll just take this one step forward. If that, if that works, maybe I'll take another step. If that doesn't work, maybe I'll go back to where I started or I can shift. Like, I don't think we do actually always believe we can keep making choices or make different choices. Right. Like, you know, well, I headed on this path. Um, just one of the examples that comes to me is, you know, I graduated university and I said I was going to be a lawyer and I'm two years in and so I'm gonna finish it right you know and everyone's expecting me to and people have invested in me and whatever the rest of the story might be and then I can imagine that causing quite a lot of fear and anxiety if what if that is no no longer what you want to do if you want to shift your path and don't know how or don't feel supported or have fear of what reaction is that going to bring up in other people? So, yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying choice and control, I think they're the antidote to anxiety. And not that the anxiety disappears. You know, I think that's important too. Yeah. Like I was saying about fear, it's not to get rid of it. It's to have anxiety come up and go, oh, okay. There's that feeling. There's that sensation in my body. And how am I going to respond now? Right. And I would say too, um, I have um, an intimate history with anxiety. <laughs> and um, experienced it myself. And these, these ideas that we're offering up or talking about, um, maybe aren't doable in the moment. So we're kind of, and maybe too, when we're talking about in the context of the pandemic and being afraid and being anxious, we're talking about kind of that, I would say, low to mid-level, just constant lingering anxiety <laughs> and fear. So you can, and fear comes from the subconscious mind, which is illogical. So it's hard to apply that logic from the conscious mind if you're deeper into the actual feeling. Mm. If you're in the actual maybe tornado, um, it's hard to access that, that logic. Um, so in that case too, I would suggest, you know, there's, there's great value in breathing, um, taking your focus to the breath, taking your focus to the body. So, uh, perhaps clenching your fists as hard as you can and then releasing, then clenching your toes as hard as you can and releasing. Um, there's, there's many different exercises like that um, 
um, with a, a quick Google as well, you can you can find um, anxiety or panic. I would say that's that that higher emergency oh, level. level. Um, but as you perhaps come down to the mid or lower level of just lingering nagging anxiety and fear, I think it's very valuable to look at these choices, um, your options, where you do have control, um, the different levels like that. And another thing that I thought of as you were speaking is, um, I just see permission, and I don't know who we need that permission from, but permission to not have the answers, permission to be yeah. messy. Yeah. And I think as a friend supporting somebody who is feeling, again, that mid or lower level of fear and anxiety, I think just how great is it to just hold space? Um, we use that term a lot, but just, which means not trying to jump in and fix it. The hold space for the feeling to get out. Perhaps not um, seeing it as broken, number one. So mm. validating for each other. If, if you have a friend and you're talking about these things, like, yes, I feel that too. And allowing it to be and allowing to recognize this sucks. <laughs> right. I feel really uneasy because I'm usually a person who has that control or feels like I've got it together and I don't feel like I have any of this together and so that understanding allowing to just say that and get it out is actually a, a partial release of that emotion um, fear and anxiety are emotions and so before we rationalize them and think them through as as a as a kind of a long-term strategic plan we need to first release them and process them um and so as i said if you're in the the really you're you're kind of in that different mind space that really panicky mind space there's um breathing and physical and and meditative things that you can do and if you're in the lower middle range um i i would still recommend releasing and i mean that's singing dancing movement screaming in a pillow writing in a journal <laughs> um listening to other music that shares those same feelings um maybe a really grungy rock <laughs> song, yeah maybe a, a ballad or something when you recognize that feeling in another venue in a song that's releasing it for yourself as well. It has a shared place to go. Um, and, and then I would, yeah, just as we were talking about, look at the choice, the control, the options. Um, so all of this started with me saying, I think it's so important that we allow ourselves to be messy. Mm -hmm. That we I don't. like that idea of permission a lot. Yeah. Giving ourselves permission, giving those around us permission. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to listen to you and listen to your story. And and when you do that, you are telling that person through your through your just being there that what they're going through matters. Mm -hmm. 
And so without even having to fix it or offer something up, you know, we're always feeling so uncomfortable ourselves when we don't know how to help. Mm -hmm. Allowing somebody to say what they're going through is a help. And it is letting them know through that connection and through that action that what they're going through matters. And, and it's just, I think it's just bonus that if you've gone through something similar as well, then it's validating. Right. You said something too that's really got me thinking about anxiety and fear being an emotion. And I agree with that, but, and, but I'm wondering how we treat them. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like we treat them a little different than other emotions. Mm. Um, they are emotions, but they've become labels. Yeah, and you're expected, maybe there's this idea, I'm not sure if I quite have it, but it's something around, if something comes from you, that you should also know how to deal with it. And so there is this idea with fear and anxiety. It's like, number one, that's you, it's not me. It's also a signal that somebody doesn't have their shit together. I think that's the, maybe perhaps the stigma mm -hmm. uh, around it, but you're right. It's not treated like anger. It's or not, happiness. Or happiness. You know, no one says, oh, you're a happy person. And that means you'll never be sad. You have happiness. Right. <laughs> no, we just don't talk like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and but somehow I, for anxiety, we do. Oh, you have anxiety. Right. If you're feeling anxious, you have anxiety. Yeah. And that means you probably don't have access to joy or calm or happiness, you know, because you have this other thing. Right. Yeah. And then it's just an emotion. <laughs> there's so much that goes with that label and that label is so limiting. Mm -hmm. And emotions are temporary. That's another thing too. As people feel it, fear and anxiety, um, I, I read a book and it's been a while, but uh, it's called, I think the diamond in your pocket. And it was by a woman called Gangaji. Um, and that was her given name after a, a spiritual journey. Um, but the mind can convince you that what you're feeling is the end state, that you're not going to get past it, that it's the final destination especially if this is not the first time you've ended up there so if you're feeling fear around the pandemic but you had fear around your own first days of school or starting a new job and and these things kind of feel similar the uncertainty then you're like great i'm back here again and obviously i don't know how to handle it right and and the mind tricks you into thinking like this is it this is permanent but feelings and circumstances are temporary. It, they just, they're, they're not the thing that exists in a lasting way. But certainly we can feel like that. We can interpret it mm -hmm. that way. And I've, I've heard a, a few people say now that um, the pandemic we're experiencing just sort of amplifies or shines a light on whatever was going on anyway. Yes. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what the, I, 
I just appreciated hearing that. Um, each, each time I heard it, it was sort of like, because I think we do have, we do have resources to manage big, hard things. Yes. So, yeah, I'd sort of like to believe in terms of the pandemic, as uncertain as it is, as, um, as impactful as it is, there is also some opportunity here yes. to, to investigate things um, that aren't necessarily even pandemic related. Right. Um, right. It's, it's just giving us this venue or this urgency or yeah, opportunity I'm, I, I know where I'm going inside my own mind, but <laughs> I understand that. Do you think um, I like that? And when I'm, this might be a conversation actually for another point in our series because uh, I was going to bring it up then, but certainly I'll just I'll touch on it. But when we're in that opening, I guess where we can look at those things. Not everybody is ready, I guess is what I'm saying as well. So I love what you're saying about it, shining a light on something that was maybe already there. And so maybe the pandemic is a, is a great opportunity to see something in a new way that gives you a bit of a crack or an opening into actually making some, some really positive changes just in your own being, in your own life. But I recognize too that not everybody's at that spot. Um, True. Yes. Yeah. Some, you know, there, there's anger and frustration and, and, and perhaps not being ready. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm stumbling through my words, but it is an opening, it is an opportunity. If you're if you're ready for it and if, if you want to to just have a look and you can get help with that as well I mean oftentimes uh, I'm sure you've been in a situation where you can see something more clearly with a client or a friend than yourself oh absolutely <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we get we get mixed up in our own in oh our own yes. world. yeah so I mean that's where um, getting professional help with that, or even bouncing it around with a friend, um, somebody you trust. And I, and I use this term often, somebody who's safe for you. I mean, sometimes we, we go to somebody that maybe perhaps we see the most often, but that's not maybe the person who sees the world similarly or allows you to be messy or, you know, perhaps there's other people that have their own agenda or want to see you in a certain way. So, um, and I think we have maybe an innate knowing of who the more safer people are in our lives to share that with. And, uh, and if not, or in addition to, you can always get professional help with exploring that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair to say that you and I could probably talk about fear and anxiety for a very long time. Yes. 
<laughs> and it'll probably come up again as we talk. And it, yes, it will, it will probably come up in, in other podcasts. But um, yeah, I'm wondering if maybe seeing fear and anxiety as an opportunity uh, is just a good place to, to wrap up our conversation for today. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So I just want to thank everybody for listening in. And as always, if you have comments or questions about this episode, or if you have ideas for uh, future episodes, things you'd like us to talk about or explore, you can always let us know by sending an email to Leanna and Nikki at gmail.com. And that's L-I-A-N-A-A-N-D-N-I-K-I at gmail.com. Thanks for listening in.